Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4:23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Hey, good morning, church. How are y'all? Good. My name is Pastor Clint. Uh, I'm the, one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, it's a beautiful thing uh, for us to celebrate the, the sacrament of baptism this morning and to, to join together as a body of Christ, unified in, in the, the grace of God that covers over all of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, church, if you're, if you're new with us and you're looking to connect, um, this is a, a church that we devote ourselves in, uh, in covenant uh, to walk alongside each other in the, the midst of uh, trials and tribulations, in the midst of joys and celebrations. Uh, and so uh, we, we hope and desire to, to connect with you. And so if you, um, there's a connect card on your, on your chair uh, that is a, just a way that we connect, um, get to know you. If you have prayer requests, um, we love to be in prayer for you as a, a congregation to walk so that we can walk with you in those things. Um, if you have not connected um, outside of worship and you'd like to get connected in some way, whether that's just meeting a pastor or, um, or figuring out kind of where your place is in the life of the church, uh, right after this service, up in the mezzanine level uh, in the commons, there is uh, what we call pizza with pastors. And it's just an opportunity to, to eat some RC's pizza and uh, to get to know one another and to, uh, if you have questions, you can ask them in that space. It's just a good way to get to know. And so, um, so that's immediately following this service up in the, the mezzanine, uh, right outside the offices in the, the commons area. So uh, as, we, uh, as we go to God in prayer, there, you'll see some names up here on the, on, uh, in the, on the board. Um, these are people that we are kind of walking alongside. Um, there are many more uh, people in the church. Our list is, is like 50 people long that, that we're praying for as a staff weekly. And so if you, uh, if you need specific prayers, um, we would love to, to put your name up on the board so that we as a church can be praying for you and knowing um, that we that we're supporting you in whatever you're walking through. So let's go to God in prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, you, uh, you come before us uh, and you go behind us. God, and you fill our lives with the goodness of your grace. And, and, uh, and so God, we celebrate that today through the, the sacrament of baptism. But uh, God, we also recognize that there are these who, um, who are in need of prayer, who need uh, need for the body of Christ to walk alongside them, to come alongside them, to, to undergird them in, in times of weakness uh, and to be, uh, to be a tangible sign of the strength of God. So God, we honor that today. Uh, we, God, we, uh, we ask for your presence in their midst that they might know that you are God and know that you are good. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. As our ushers come forward to take up our morning offering uh, this morning, um, we believe that uh, our offering is an act of worship, and that's why we put it in the middle of, of our worship service. 
And so as you, uh, as you see on the screen, uh, our discipleship connection talking about SLC, uh, you can see the ways in which your giving uh, impacts this community and impacts this church. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Whitney Parrish, Director of School for Little Children. Monday through Thursday during the school year, you can hear the joyful noise of the SLC children all over the church. These kiddos love coming to school because of the relationships they form with their friends and teachers in class. Each day, a highlight for the children is visiting the infamous fish tank, especially seeing the crowd favorite, the blackfish. These kids come to school every day knowing they will be loved and cared for by their teachers. Not only are they learning their ABCs and 123s, but they are also developing and learning how to play and communicate their thoughts and feelings. Most importantly, they are learning and experiencing the love that Jesus has for them. Every Tuesday, we all join together in the sanctuary for special moments. The kids and teachers sing songs and a pastor or church staff member gives a short devotion. It's my favorite time of the week. Because of your continuous giving and support, we are able to provide our kids with fun experiences with our big events, such as the trick-or-treat parade, Thanksgiving feast, visits from Santa, rodeo day, and water day. Our school is a fun and joyful place to be. On the screen now are the three ways that you can continue to support Kingwood Methodist Church as we seek to let everyone know that there is more to life in Christ. All right, kiddos, kiddos, uh, K through second grade, you guys can head to the back for Children's Church. Children's Church is a beautiful way that, that kiddos can uh, learn on their level uh, on a Sunday morning. And so a uh, beautiful community back there uh, led by some, some, faithful, um, some faithful teachers that have, have devoted in that, remember that covenant prayer that we said at the end where we will walk alongside these kids in their development, will walk alongside them in their time of need. Um, that's, that's a beautiful way um, people that, that serve in, in children's ministry um, have, have taken that, that commitment to heart, to walk alongside these kids in these formative years um, to process with them. So thank you all for, for the way you serve. So we are beginning a new series right after our, uh, our Lenten series, after Easter and Eastertide. Uh, we begin to kind of ask God, what do you want from us as a, as, a risen, as a risen Savior, as an Easter people who are living in the, the times, living in the days of a risen, living, and active God? Uh, what are we called to? And so our series is called Reflections uh, because, because the Word of God is our reflection. See, I, I believe that reflections, the, the mirror... That we, that the lens in which we view the world and the, the, the voices that speak back into our lives, those things that reflect our lives, uh, they change us. There is a, there's a study that shows that, uh, that we look in the mirror at least eight times a day. I would say probably even more with the invention of selfies, right? Uh, with Snapchat, uh, I mean, I just see people on uh, kind of snapping little selfies where you see your image every single day, eight, 10, 20 times a day, we, we see this reflection of ourselves. And I believe, I believe that that changes the way that we uh, see ourselves. 
It changes the way that we understand our image. Think, think back to a time that there was, there was a time in the history of the world where there was almost no reflection of ourselves. There were no mirrors. There were no shiny things. The only reflection was in a bowl of, of still water. I think that, that um, emphasis on our reflection, on our image, changes the way that we think and changes the way that we act. Take a minute just to think about the ways that that changes you, the ways that that changes our culture. So much more cognizant of the way in which we look, the way in which others perceive us. I believe, I believe that our reflection changes us. If you think uh, back to, to when you, your, your kids were uh, infants and they saw their reflection for the first time, right? In, in, uh, in, in honor of our, our baby baptisms and uh, Ryan and Jane about to have their baby, um, I figured I would, uh, I would show a baby video this morning um, of, of, reflect, of kind of that, that first understanding of our reflection. I dare you not to laugh. Go ahead. but it gets you every time, every single time. You see, I believe that our reflection changes us. When we see into the the word of God, it it ought to reflect and change who we are. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Friends, the, the word of God is a mirror into our soul. The reason it's a mirror into our soul is because in Genesis 1:26, God said, uh, the, the, the triune God, they got together and said, let us make man in our, what? Image. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so God created us to have the image of God. And so when we read scriptures, which is the word of God, we begin to see ourselves compared to the God who loves us and created us. We get to see that comparison. We get to see the way in which that impacts our life. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart, says the the proverb writer because the heart is the essence of who we are. So as we engage in the word of God uh, during this series, I hope that it, is, it becomes a mirror into your soul, that you get to see and ask the question, who is God? What does this scripture reveal about who God is? And then what does this scripture reveal about who I am in relation to this God? So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in Judges chapter six, um, starting in verse one, looking at the, the judge named Gideon. Gideon, um, Gideon was a, a judge, uh, not like the kind of judge you would think with a, a gavel and a, a big um, black cloak, uh, but a judge in the, in the sense that uh, these judges were sent by God to bring God's people back to him, 
Some of these judges were military leaders uh, that would bring, um, that would depend on the, the strength and the faith of, of God um, and the, the grace of God to, to bring them back into prominence, to bring them back into a place of, uh, of, of right living um, and also to a place of prosperity. So as we dive into this, this text this morning, um, it's a, a, a fairly long text, but we see um, the calling of this judge named Gideon. So let's, let's read the word of God this morning. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of, the Midian, of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in, city clef, in, in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were so oppressed that they began to flee for their lives and, and live in hiding uh, amongst, amongst the earth. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the, Midians, the Midianites and the Malachites and other Eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to, to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither their sheep nor their cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord in help. You can, you can get a feel for the, the anxiety, the, the, the posture and the position of the Israelite people broken and oppressed in a, a land where they have no confidence that they'll survive because there's this oppressive force. Uh, anybody watched the Bugs, a Bugs Life movie? Right? I get this image of the grasshoppers, right? Um, coming in on the ants. And, uh, and the ants are cowering and hiding underneath the ground as they've pre prepared this, this offering for them, cowering at their, their dominance and their presence. This is the image I get of the Israelite people in this season. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt and out of slavery, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Essentially, what, what the, the prophet has come, the judge has come to say is that you, that this is not a result of the, of the Lord's doing. He has, at every turn, he has blessed you. And he gave you this command that said, follow me. And the Israelites had failed to do that. The Israelites, at every turn, had rejected God's commands had rejected the things of God and this was the result of their own doing, this oppression that they lived in. He said, uh, I've done everything I can do. But then he sends the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord came in verse 11 and sat down under the oak or the Ophrah that belongs to Joash the Eberzite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. 
Threshing wheat in the wine press. This, this uh, further illustrates kind of the fear that they have. They didn't thresh wheat on the threshing floor, which was out in the open in the, in the wind so that the wind could blow away the chaff when they, when they would throw it up and separate the, the, little, the fine parts of the wheat from the seed that they needed uh, to make. So they would do this in the open so the wind would get to it. Um, he's forced to do this, this farmer's work in a wine press because he's afraid that they might see him on the horizon and come and, and take all of their crops. We see further the, the, the position that they're in. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now there's four things that I think this text uh, illustrates for us. And we'll keep walking through the text and I wanna kind of highlight these points. There's four things that I think this text illustrates for us. Uh, number one, God sees you. God sees you not for what you're doing. God sees you not for the oppressive state that you're, that you're living in or uh, the circumstances around you or the, the, the defeated posture in which you live. He doesn't see you for the vices or the, the brokenness of the world. He sees, he sees who he created. And that's very different than the things that we do oftentimes. Hear that. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Do you think that Gideon believes that he's a mighty warrior? No, he's been living in this oppressed state. He's been living in fear, cowering before the Midianites and all the oppressing armies. He doesn't see himself as a mighty warrior, but the way that God sees into our lives is much different than the way that we see ourselves. The reflection that we have in the image of God is different than the reflection that the world tries to tell us. Church, I believe that, that so often we are crippled in our faith, we are crippled even in life because of what the world tells us that we are. Because of what the world tells us that we are capable of and that we are a product of our circumstance. But the, the command that, that or the, the truth that God is speaking over Gideon's life in this moment, in that one phrase is to say, you are not just a farmer, you are not just oppressed. You are not just uh, weak. But you are loved. And you are a warrior. What an empowering word that the Lord speaks over his life. Church, what is the circumstance or present posture in your life that you can't get around? I wanna challenge you this week to begin to ask God to reveal what he sees in you, what you look like to him. I think we see that as we read the word of God in the midst of those seasons. We see the ways that God speaks back into our hearts. Let's continue reading. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. The word is Ad Adonai. Uh, which means it's just a, a formal way of greeting someone who's a, over you. My Lord, not like God, like messenger of, of God, most high with uh, divine power and authority. He says, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders? 
that, your, that, your, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord, or uh, in the Hebrew, Yahweh, notice in, the, in the, the, first, the first pronouncement of this angel, it says, the angel of the Lord. Notice now, it's not the angel of the Lord that's speaking, it is who? It's the Lord. It is Yahweh in this moment who speaks this truth over him. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Hear this church. You are enough. I'm gonna say that again. You are enough enough. See, the Lord, Yahweh, sends us with his power and his presence. Is it not I that am sending you? So go, go in the strength that you have. Not, I'm going to take you through this discipleship process. And at the end of this discipleship process, you're going to be equipped with all of the things that you need to, to answer the calling that I'm putting on your life. No, he says, in the strength that you have, with the gifts that I've given you, with the mindset, with the circumstance that I've given you, go. I'm not asking you to be something that you're not. I'm not asking you to be outside of your situation. I am calling you as you are in the strength that you have. You know why? Because I'm with you. Because I'm the one that's sending you. I am the one that holds the power. You know how I know that this is true? Because almost every character that God calls into ministry or God calls to do something uh, for his name, he is unequipped for that work. I mean, look at, look at Moses, look at, um, look, at each, uh, look at Joshua, look at uh, all of the disciples all of them had failed in some way. They are not the perfect examples of followers of Christ. Yet he calls each and every one of us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our situation, just as we are. Friends, I think oftentimes, oftentimes we, we don't see our own value as warrior. And so therefore, we think that what I am is not enough to actually step into the big call that you've put on mankind, on your followers. So church, what is, what is the calling in the back of your mind that you feel unequipped for? Church, this week, I hope that you would ask God to help you take a single step in that direction and trust in his power. Let's continue reading. In verse 15, Gideon rep responds, or as uh, in 14, the Lord says, am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon says again, but this time he doesn't use Adonai, he uses Adonai. A-I instead of just I at the end. This is uh, a term of uh, not just authority over, but 
uh, of, of some, some greater kind of defi- divine authority, that there's something, something new about this person that has been revealed to me since the last time that we addressed each other. I'm recognizing that you are not just some stranger, but that you, uh, you are kind of speaking with divine authority. You are speaking on behalf of the Lord. And so he addresses him in just a slightly different way. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all of the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you that is talking to me. Please don't go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went inside, prepared the young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak tree. Friends, the Lord is about to reveal himself to Gideon but the Lord is not in a hurry. He didn't come down in uh, a blaze of thunder and say, uh, I am here, I am the Lord Almighty, you will follow me and do as I say. He allows Gideon to understand who he is. So the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff and it was, and it was in his hand and fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared. And when Gideon realized that it was the, that it was the angel of the Lord, Lord, uh, and this is not just Adonai or Adonai, it is Yahweh the most high God. When he realized that it was the angel of Yahweh, he exclaimed, at last, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, face to face. You see, God is patient. In the midst of your circumstance, he is patient. He allowed Gideon to go away from the the tree to, to bake, a, bake a loaf of bread, prepare a, 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 fat, a fattened animal, to prepare the broth of that animal. I can imagine all the while uh, Gideon is, as he's preparing this, this long, lengthy meal, which was customary if you had someone of authority come and share something with you, that you would then bring them a meal, a sacred meal that you would share in that meal with them before you sent, the, sent that, that messenger on their way. And so Gideon is preparing this, this long meal that would have taken hours and hours. And I can imagine he's just looking out as he's preparing, saying like, is he, is he still here? Okay, all right. And he keeps preparing it. Like, is, is he still waiting on me for this? You see, God is not in a hurry with your life. He recognizes the place that you are and he, he slowly reveals himself to you. 
He reveals his character and his nature through, his, through conversation. He reveals it to you as, as you begin to look at the word of God and see the heart of God. He reveals it to you as you sit in church. We saw this on the, the road to Emmaus last week. As, as, as they walked with him, as they talked with him, as they got to know him, as they got to know his heart, he then revealed himself to them and their eyes were open and they saw the face of Jesus. They recognized that it was him. But that comes in conversation. That comes in relationship. You see, God doesn't reveal himself fully until Gideon brings the offering to this messenger. Church, I think oftentimes we want it the other way around. God, I want you to show yourself to me. Show me how big you are. Show me how good you are. Show me your power. And then I will bring an offering of my life to you. Then I will follow you. Then if, I, if you show yourself to me, then I, I can know that you are God and I can believe that you are God. And then I will follow. But church, I think it's the other way around. Gideon brings his offering and then God reveals his power. Not to mention this, uh, this divine presence interrupts his current activity. Uh, I think the divine presence oftentimes interrupts our agenda, oftentimes interrupts our story so that he can interject himself into it. So church, how does the, the pace of your life impact your relationship with God? I pray that this week as we reflect, as we continue to reflect on these verses, that we would ask God to slow us down to adequately prepare our offering before him. Not just microwave it uh, in the morning before we, start, before we start work, but that we adequately take time to prepare our hearts and our offering and we bring it before him and we allow him to show himself and reveal himself to us. I'm gonna close with this as the band comes forward. The last thing that I think this text shows us is that, that God is with us that the, his presence is peace. See, at the end of this story, the, the angel of the Lord disappears. This, this messenger that, that lit this, this offering on fire, consumed it with fire, he disappears. And when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, the Lord said to him, even after the angel, the physical presence had left, now the voice of God, voice of Yahweh is speaking over his life and telling him that I am here. That just because the angel has left you is not walking alongside you through the next things that I'm gonna ask you to do. I want you to know that I am here, that I am present with you. And the Lord said to him, peace, peace. Do not be afraid. Shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord. And there he called it, the Lord is peace. The presence of the Lord, my friends, is peace. I pray that over you today and every day as we live out this reflected journey. Mm -hmm.